Now, in this statement from the cross, the Lord also declared the sufficiency of his atonement. He was really saying when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, look upon my blood, look upon my death, and see how it has the power, the potency, to cleanse and forgive every possible sin. Now, this word forgive, by the way, is all-inclusive. On this Easter Friday, I take great joy in bringing this message of the gospel to you. And I pray that it will be not just from my heart to your heart, but from the heart of God to your heart, that you will today look upon Jesus dying on the cross in your place, that you will call upon the Savior to wash you in the blood that he shed there upon that tree. On the program today, we're going to have the hymn, The Old Rugged Cross, and that part of the message, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I hope that that's not true of you today, because it sounds like one who has no hope. But there is hope. And may the Lord speak to your heart through the gospel, the good news that Jesus saves. Now, they needed this forgiveness because not only did they kill the Son of God, they killed him with such shocking hatred. You read here in this account how they cried out in unison, crucify him, crucify him. They joined their voices in a chorus of crucify him. And then down in verse 37, you'll notice the mockery and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews. You can see the venom, the bitterness, the hatred poured out in that very statement. If thou be the Son of God. Now, you made that claim. What a, what a claim you made. Prove it. And in that, there was the sarcastic, bitter rancor of it all. 
In Matthew, it talks about the, the passers-by. They mocked him. And also in Matthew, it talks about the, the very scribes and the elders. It says, likewise also the chief priests mocking with the scribes and elders said, come down from the cross. Oh, if ever there was an undermining of the purpose of Jesus' death, it was that statement. Really, they were saying, end your mission now. Come down from the cross. And if Christ was going to be our Savior and to pay the price for our sin, he could not come down from the cross. He must remain there, endure the shame, endure the suffering. He must bear the curse and the weight of sin. He must offer himself in death, cry out, it is finished, and give up his spirit to the Father because the sacrifice must die because sin, the wages of sin, is death. And so he could not come down from the cross unless he was to call off his mission. But what cruelty were in these very statements. Now, these people needed forgiveness because they were blind to their sin. And, and, and Jesus said, they know not what they do. Oh, the terror of this that ought to cause in all of us. There are sins that we do we're not even aware of. There are things that we are guilty of that we might brush off, but we don't realize the consequences of the guilt and the punishment that we're bringing upon ourselves. We're not even cognizant that those things hang over our head. They're called in the Bible sins of omission, things that we ought to do that we don't. And then there are those things we know we do wrong, and we just brush them off. And the Lord Jesus, thankfully, prays for the sins of ignorance. That's how complete a Savior He is. Some people ask me sometimes, you know, when you cry to the Lord for salvation, do you have to name every one of your sins point by point, date by date, event by event, and ask the Lord to forgive you? What if you forget one? What if you omit one? What if one comes later to you? Are you saved or are you not saved? Can you understand here that in this prayer of the Lord Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, that even the sins of ignorance are forgiven? Did you know that in the Old Testament sacrifices, there was a special sacrifice for the sin of ignorance? Oh, they brought their regular sacrifices to God, but then there were the special sacrifice that was brought just in case. There was some sin not brought out, not confessed, and provision was made for that. And I'm happy to announce today that on the cross, the Lord Jesus made full provision, not just for those glaring sins that might be in a sinner's life, but for all sin. If we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, when we call on the Lord, he saves us completely. And I want you to rejoice. If you're believing in the Lord Jesus today, if you have trusted in his death as your Savior, that your sins are gone, and they will never return. Now, in this statement from the cross, the Lord also declared the sufficiency of his 
atonement. He was really saying when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, look upon my blood, look upon my death, and see how it has the power, the potency, to cleanse and forgive every possible sin. Now, this word forgive, by the way, is all-inclusive. It is the miraculous removal of all guilt and sin for all time. This word forgive in the Bible, now you understand the Bible is a translation into the English. We are working from, in the Old Testament, Hebrew text, in the, in the New Testament, Greek text. So you have a word that is behind forgive. And that word in the Greek language means to send away. Forgive, send it away. And it really ties into what they had in the Old Testament, sacrifices, where the priest laid his hands on, the anim- on a goat, and the transfer of the sins went from the, the person to the animal who w- that was to be sacrificed, and then the animal was sent away, put away, and it would be lost forever. And that's what the Lord Jesus is praying for here to his Father, for those who are crucifying him. Father, forgive. Send these sins away. Put them away. And in the Psalm 103, verse 12, we are told that as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Now, you tell me, where does the east and the west meet? Never do. There is never a meeting of east and west. Even when the world is revolving, even you travel to the other end of the world, east and west never join. And that's the message of God's forgiveness. When your sin is forgiven, it will never return. It's gone. If you're a Christian, you should be jumping up and down right now and saying, I am so happy my sins are gone forever. If you're not saved, you're not a Christian, you ought to be saying, that's the salvation I need. That's the Savior that I am in need of. And so it is all-inclusive. It is also total forgiveness, and it means justification. Just as if I had never sinned. It means that I am declared righteous. And, of course, the gospel is really built upon this great doctrine of justification. God justifies the sinner. And by what he did at Calvary, God put my sins on the Lord Jesus. As we see this text behind me says, the Lamb of God, he became the sacrifice who bore the sins of his people, and they never return. We are justified and enter into heaven forever. A little boy was told by his mother not to play near a certain pond. She knew the muck and the mire that if he falls in there, he's going to be a mess. And so one day, the little boy playing around that pond, just temptation overcame him, and he got too close, and veering into that, well, he fell right into the dirty, stinky water and appeared a mess. 
And of course, when he was returning to his mum, he was totally aware of the warning that he had been given and now the mess that he was in. And so, rather than just face his mother, he wrote on a slate. You remember, well, kids here won't remember, but there was a day when children went to school and they wrote on a slate. They didn't have paper and pens and color markers and all those things. They wrote on a, a, a stone slate. And you would do your work, and then you would wipe it all off clean, and then start all over again. So this boy, he decided on, he took the slate that he used in school, and he said to his mother, um, if you forgive me, rub it out. And he sent the slate into his mother. And the slate came back clean. And he knew, even before he met his mother, that he was forgiven. The slate was clean. That's our relationship to the loving, forgiving grace of God. We know we've sinned. We know we've disobeyed. We know we've broken God's law. But through grace, through the blood of Jesus, the slate is made clean. And Jesus is not merely an example of forgiveness. This is not just to teach us how we should forgive. We do learn from it. But this death of Christ, this prayer of our Lord, is the source of forgiveness. That's where you go. That's where you get God's forgiveness. In the Son, in His death, and in this prayer, you plead it for you. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now, this statement from the cross was a heart-filled prayer of desire for men's forgiveness. There's no sham here. There's no phoniness. There's no plastic words. The Lord Jesus, even though these men cruelly crucified him, and even though he was hanging there in horrible sufferings, in the shame of his own nigh-nakedness, the crimson in the blood and gore of his own death, and the slander that they had made. This was a genuine, true, merciful, mission-filled prayer. Because at the end of Isaiah 53, where you have those very clear words of Christ taking our sins upon himself, he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. In the 11th, 12th verses of Isaiah 53, it says he also shall make intercession for the transgressors. Part of Jesus' ministry is not only to die for his people, but to pray for them. And the Bible teaches us that our Lord Jesus is now, having risen from the dead, ascended to the Father, he is now our high priest praying for us. And Christ's work as Redeemer Savior is twofold. There is his work of suffering on the cross, shedding his blood, paying the price. And now there is his work, throne work, interceding, praying to the Father for his people. Now, can you fathom the depths of love that is displayed in this prayer? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We've got to be asking, what kind of love is this? This is not phony love. 
This is not just human love. This is the love of God. This is the love of one who truly, genuinely loves to save even the most sinful, most wicked, most rebellious people and bring them one day into glory. And if there's one here at all and you doubt, does, does the Lord love me? Does the Lord love my soul? Let me take you to Calvary. Let me have you rehearse these words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And these are the people who mocked. These are the people who cried out, crucify him. These are the very people with the hammer and the nails. These are the people that were bloody and cruel in their actions to the Lord. And if the Lord prayed for their forgiveness, surely he will pray for your forgiveness. Now, you might be asking, but does this really work? What was the outcome of this prayer of the Lord Jesus? You, you, you said earlier that the Lord's prayers, the Father always hears them. Well, just move along to the day of Pentecost. Sir, Peter preaching that sermon where people should repent of the blood that was on their hands, that they had crucified the Son of God. And on that day of Pentecost, we are told that 3,000 people were converted. Many of them were the very people on the day of Jesus' death had cried out, crucify him. They were personally recognized their own guilt and participation in the crucifixion of the Savior. And they were converted they became the early Christians of the early church. Not only was Paul the apostle one who had the blood of Christians on his hand, there were early Christians who had the blood of Jesus on their hands. And they repented, as Peter exhorted them, and the prayer of the Lord Jesus was effectual, powerful to save them. Can you be saved? There is enough here in this one word from the cross to save your soul today. Father, forgive them. Now, only the Lord Jesus has this authority to forgive sins. That came up in his earthly ministry, and it comes here from the cross as well. I read a story of D.L. Moody, who had a great many friends and officials in the United States. And one day, he met a governor of a certain state who said, Moody, I've decided to respond to a petition of a great many people to pardon a well-known criminal. You're here in the city, and you're offering pardon to sinners all the time, and I want you to convey this letter of pardon. When Moody went, all the men were called together in the chapel, and Moody said, I have a pardon for one of you. I don't know you by face, but here is the name. What a breathless moment that was in that gathering of about 600 men. They scarcely breathed to find out whose name would be declared. And when Mr. Moody read the name of the man, something like a shriek came out of the crowd. It was almost more than the man could bear. And Mr. Moody talked to him later, and he offered to him not only pardon from a particular crime of the land, but God's pardon. And he said, just as that governor has the authority to pardon you, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Redeemer of the church, has the authority to pardon your soul. I didn't read in that story if the man took up the spiritual forgiveness, 
but you get the message. And I offer you pardon today as a preacher of the gospel, as one with the Bible in my hand to preach the cross. I want you to know today that if you come saying, I am guilty of sin, will the Lord pardon me? Is there forgiveness for me? I'll take you right to the cross, to the prayer of the Lord Jesus, his first utterance from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and you will be forgiven. This is the gospel. Sinful men and women can be forgiven and are forgiven. A sinner can know total freedom and liberty from the guilt of sin. There is justification, pardon for sinners. And God the Father always hears the prayer of a son. And if you come to God through the Lord Jesus as your Savior, and you call for mercy, for salvation, for your sins to be washed away, God will hear. Jesus will intercede, and your sins will be gone as far as the east is from the west, never to return. You'll never see them today, tomorrow, the day you die, nor at the judgment day, nor in heaven. They're gone, because on the cross, Jesus paid it all. Isn't that a great gospel? Aren't we a blessed people to have such a Savior? Isn't this the good news the world needs to hear? Let's call men and women. Bring them in. And I plead with you today, if you're not saved, come, believe, call on the Lord Jesus. He will save. Thank you for joining with us and staying with us here on the program today as we have preached the cross of the Lord Jesus. The crucifixion of the Lord Jesus went according to Roman routine. They always guarded the criminal from any interference from spectators. Their work was not done until they delivered a corpse to whoever cared to bury it. We know that Jesus' mother was there to watch the horrific scene, while that sword which was prophesied to strike through her soul smote her heart. In the background, the Jewish leaders also kept watch, and as they saw the sun dipping in the sky, they requested of Pilate that the bodies be removed before the Sabbath came on at dusk. They lobbied Pilate to have the legs of the victims broken so that their limp bodies would decline into a strangled death. I want you to listen to John's account of this ending of Jesus' final hours on the cross. John nineteen thirty one. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross— on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was an high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers, and brake the legs of the first, and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs." But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the Scriptures should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken." 
And again, another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they pierced. See how many points of crucial details unfold in this final scene of our Savior's death. All of these things are for our faith. They were fulfilled and carefully recorded so that we might believe. First, note that Jesus really died. Second, note that the smallest of prophecies were so carefully fulfilled. Remember that this is Jesus' finest hour. This is the time and place when he, as Redeemer of his people, brought all of God's purposes of redemption into full light. So he died. Not a bone was broken, and his body was pierced with the spear of the Roman soldier. Out of the Savior's heart flowed blood and water, the medical evidence of undeniable death. But this was to be witnessed by all around. They looked upon Jesus, whom when he was pierced. And as I say, this is for our faith. Every Christian that is saved by the power of the gospel knows that the power of his conversion, his cleansing from sin, and victory over sin is through that very object of faith, the pierced side of Jesus. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And as another hymn writer put it, there is life for a look at the crucified one. There is life at this moment for thee. Then look, sinner, look unto him and be saved, unto him who was nailed to the tree. Look, look, look and live. There is life for a look at the crucified one. There is life at this moment for thee. Oh, why was he there as the bearer of sin? If on Jesus thy guilt was not laid, O oh, why from his side flowed the sin-cleansing blood, if his dying thy debt was not paid? It is not thy tears of repentance or prayers, but the blood that redeemeth the soul. On him then, who shed it, thou mayest at once thy weight of iniquities roll. Then doubt not thy welcome, since God has declared, there remaineth no more to be done that once in the end of the world he appeared and completed the work he begun. Then take with rejoicing from Jesus at once the life everlasting he gives, and know with assurance thou never canst die, since Jesus thy righteousness lives. Well, we'll end our message on the cross right there but looking to the wounded side of Jesus. It's for our faith. Look unto him and be... You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music